Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome in to TSL today. we got a great show for you talking Hokies men's basketball. David Cunningham on the set. It's TSL today on a Wednesday from Blacksburg. TSL today brought to you as always by Triumph NIL. So grateful for our new partnership with them. Their motto, recruit, retain, reward. Again, Triumph NIL brings you today's show. And uh, we're talking Hokies men's basketball. David Cunningham across the way on the set. David, I uh, am excited to dive into some of your quotes that you got. Um, You kind of went one-on-one there with MJ Collins and Hunter Couture behind the scenes. Uh, A little bit of conversation, a couple quotes from Mike Young as well. But first and foremost, your first impressions uh, of the great game against Duke on Monday night. I thought it was good. Tech needed that one. Mm -hmm. I think that one was had been coming for a long time. Um, um, and just to, I think to see, you know, after somebody who's, I've only missed, that was the 20th game and I've only missed three games, I think all year. So I've been to like 17 of the 20 as somebody who's been to almost every single game this year. Um, and I think only missed the Clemson and the, the Boston college games during the losing streak, you know, time after time you see just uh, the frustration, the disappointment on these guys' faces. Mike Young, man, he he's, he's a completely different guy after wins than he is after losses. You know, he's cracking jokes, and um, it, it was it was nice to see the win for them. Made my job a little bit easier, um, but it was nice to to see MJ Collins and Grant Bazzilli and Hunter Couture afterwards smiling and and in a good mood knowing that a little bit of weight lifted off their shoulders. No doubt about that. So I want to go first and foremost, uh, Hunter Couture. Uh, you talked with him after the game. He felt like he had a good performance. He felt like Castle was rocking. Uh, what else did you hear from Hunter? So I'm going to read you. It's sort of a long quote, but Hunter Couture, of course, had the, the steal on the final inbounds play um, of the game. And I asked, straight up asked Hunter, what went through your mind? And he gave me a long quote. Uh, very, very descriptive. So this is all from Hunter Couture. Um, it, I, I'm going to break it up into two parts. So this is about the final inbounds play. Duke is inbounding with three to four seconds left, like I believe. 3.2, I believe. Yeah, three seconds left. Uh, try, they're, Duke's down two, trying to get a bucket to win the game. Um, two, uh, Down two, I believe, yeah. Down, down three. three. Down, down three. three. They're looking for a three to tie. So... Hunter Couture said they came out of the first timeout and had Tyrese Proctor, number five at half court, Kyle Filipowski down there, uh, kind of tour at the other end. And then they had Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, and Ryan Young taking the ball out. And we knew, he's like, you could tell Proctor was kind of giving it away that he was going to go down and try to set a screen for Filipowski. And the two guards, the two guards from seeing a lot of plays were going to loop under each other. They were going to try to flip it to Roach, pass it on to Filipowski, and then get the three off. That was, that's the first part. Okay. 
We had Linkit on the ball the first time. We switched it, put Darius Maddox in, in there and into a zone because we thought they were going to throw it. I think they saw Darius there, so Ryan Young couldn't throw it there. And as soon as Roach started going under, I see Ryan Young start looking at him, looking at him. And as soon as I saw him line up to throw it, I saw there was no space, so I shot the gap and stole it. So that's what went through Hunter Couture's mind on that final play. Mike Young has said multiple times that, you know, Hunter Couture could have a a, a spot on his staff anytime after right. after he's done playing. You see what goes through Hunter Couture's mind on that play. He recognized it all the way. And I didn't ask MJ Collins what went through his mind because I don't he he might have been on the court. I don't remember exactly. Um but but Couture was obviously the one who stole the ball. And I guess I could have asked Mike, but that was a pretty accurate description by Couture. And and there's a part in there that I don't know if a lot of people noticed. Lynn Kidd was on the court. They had six guys on the floor mm-hmm. because they called yes. a timeout and Kid was on originally and then they switched stuff around and put Maddox in and put him back in the zone and then Kid was still on and Couture like Sprints basically over. was like, get off the court, get off the court, get off the court because it was going to be six guys on the floor. Right. So very intelligent plays there from Couture and, and if you watch it back, you can kind of tell, yeah, Duke's, Duke's basically trying to inbound it into the backcourt to Roach or one of the other guards who can then lob it up a little bit to Filipowski, who turns, catches, shoots, and Tech kind of read it perfectly. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, I I said on our broadcast, it was like true leadership to see Hunter recognize, like, dude, you got to get off, and he sprints. Uh, He was, like, standing towards midcourt almost, and he sprints over to Lynn Kidd and, like, taps him. He's like, you got to get off. So uh, I found that really interesting. Let's kind of flip the page here. Uh, not, Not necessarily a sensitive subject to talk about, but just something that's going viral a little bit on Twitter in the Virginia Tech community. The throat punch from MJ Collins to Kyle Filipowski. I know you have a quote about that it seemed to be very unintentional of the refs let it go not a foul no tech no nothing no flagrant um what 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 did Did you you have from did you see it live so live up in the we're in the crow's nest calling the game carter who's behind the scenes today him and i um didn't see it i i just saw filipowski go down real time i you know and so what goes through my mind i'll take everybody into my mind during the game a lot of times i'm just providing live updates, tweeting throughout the game. And I can tweet really, really fast. So I, I'm trying to think of what I said about MJ. But I, I think I, I think I just said something about, you know, MJ Collins, what a shot. And I hit it send immediately, you know, typed up really fast, said, okay, the score is blah, blah, blah. There's not much time is left. Um, and then I kind of look up and I'm like, what's going on? What are they talking about? And immediately the clip started to go viral on Twitter and people were right. like, how is that not? And I didn't, so I didn't see it immediately. I went back and, and watched it and MJ Collins, which by the way, it was a great play. And w- let's talk about the play first yes, because the basket was huge. This is MJ Collins, a, a true freshman from, as Mike Young would say, the strong, the, the, uh, the metropolis of Clover, South Carolina, right? The sprawling metropolis. Hunter Couture gets the ball off a, a dribble handoff at the top of the key, drives down to the rim, kind of gets stopped, kicks it out to the corner in front of the tech bench for MJ Collins. Immediately, he catches, blows by Mark Mitchell, and then basically Mitchell kind of like slides in front of him and puts his hand up. Collins hits a little 12-footer mm-hmm. over it, swish, nothing but net to give Tech the go-ahead basket. Um, and then, of course, he ends up hitting a, 
uh, a free throw later after Duke misses on the next possession. But as he celebrates, he turns and smacks Kyle Filipowski right in the throat. And Duke head coach John Shire said afterwards that Kyle Filipowski was in the huddle throwing up. Um, right. Filipowski, I believe, told Duke reporters that he uh, he got punched in the Adam's apple. And, okay. and, you know, so he probably was dry heaving, which would be my guess. Right. Um, but the rest went and looked at it. And I talked to MJ Collins. I asked, I asked him, first thing I said, all right, did you know he was there? And he said, no, no, I did not know. He, he was behind me at all. It was completely unintentional. I did not mean to do it. He actually said he went over to apologize. Uh, I don't believe, not not at, right after the play, but I think after the game he went over to apologize and Filipowski had already oh, okay. know, hit, hit the locker room, so I don't believe he got a chance to apologize. Um, but he went. He, he was looking for him to apologize. But um, but yeah, MJ felt very, very bad afterwards. He was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean to do it at all. Personally, I thought he got very lucky yes. not, not getting anything. That could have been a flagrant. And maybe should have been. So you look at the Syracuse-North Carolina game last night. Judah Mintz. I don't want to talk about it. Swings his elbow and, and hits uh, Caleb Love, I believe, or R.J. Davis. It was R.J. Davis, two, yeah. In the face. In my opinion, that was the right call. Flagrant one. It was, yeah. I thought that should have been a flagrant one on MJ Collins simply because... It, it was not needed. Yeah, like like it was something that was not. I I get you're you're trying to tell people not to control the celebration, but you got to punish it. Right. I was surprised it wasn't called. What did, were you surprised? Like looking back on it, like once you saw the replay, that it wasn't called. Looking back, I was surprised, but it wasn't till because when you're calling the game, we're not live on Twitter, and they didn't show it on the video board. Correct. So it wasn't until probably after the game that I saw it. Looking back, yeah, I'm surprised because the rule is if if, if it was completely intentional, that's a flagrant two most yeah. of the time. But a flagrant one can still be accidental, like you saw last night. Yeah. Like you brought it up with Judah Mintz, he didn't mean to elbow him in the face but that was the move it was accidental and it's a flagrant and there's more times that one was very um in your face like okay obvious in a lot of ways last night with Judah Mintz but there's times where they happen completely fluke accident you can tell it's an accident but regardless there's still still a flagrant one yes so yeah and I think I think the big reason why they didn't was because they said it was celebration dead ball and it was just but but to me it's Tech like got away with I, one, I think I, I I would say yes I, I think you know and I think that's maybe it's the basketball gods just giving Tech one because right. Tech really badly needed Tech one needed uh, one man but but either way Collins felt really bad about it but uh, that that whole play leading up to it I mean he hits the basket and then you know they spend a couple minutes at the monitor looking at it don't call anything. Caroline inbounds comes or sorry Caroline Duke inbounds <laughs> comes down shoots misses. Collins gets the rebound. Yeah, naturally. Who right. else hits hits one of two free throws, and then the the Filipowski, uh, you know, Duke's trying to get the ball to Filipowski. Couture steals it. We end the game. So that, if only uh, he hit both of them. Uh, and again, guess what? It could have been a, a ended up very like Syracuse, right? Yeah. Syracuse is leading yes. the game, gets called for a flagrant. North Carolina hits the shots and is in control for the last 10, 15 seconds of the game. Yeah. That could have been the situation in Blacksburg. It did not happen, and I, I, I think Tech got away with one a little bit. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think even more noteworthy, though, too, and, and Grant Bazili talked about this. I listened. Bazili was on, um, well, it's not Packer and Durham anymore. ACCPM. ACCPM. Um, and, and he was asked um, by Mark Packer, you know, if, if you would ask me who's going to get the last shot 
he would have never picked. He, if the Collins. fifth per- person he would have picked uh, was MJ Collins. And Bazili was like, yeah, like, no doubt. Uh, you know, it was uh, uh, my question to you is who do you think that was actually designed for? Was it that dribble handoff for Couture to take that three? Because Duke kind of locked off that dribble handoff to Couture for the second half. There was time. So it wasn't. I mean, there was probably Collins hit that with 12, 13 seconds left. Right. There was time. I don't remember how much time was on the shot clock. I'd have to go back and look. Um, I don't know. Carter knows off the top of his head. Um, I don't I don't remember how much how much time was on Carter says five seconds left on the shot clock. So tech was so it was winding down. Mm-hmm. I think tech was just trying to get a good look. I think a lot of it was directed for Couture, right? He, right. he drove right down the lane, thought about going up. And, and and what Collins took us through is when he bl- caught the ball and blew past Mark Mitchell, he knew Hunter Couture was behind him in the corner. And maybe that's the look Tech wanted. Mike Young didn't really specify what the look was. Mike Young was just like, we were trying to get, we were just yeah. trying to get a shot, essentially. Um, but Collins said he knew he had Couture behind him, and he thought about just tossing it backwards, like yeah. behind his back. But he knew Mark Mitchell was kind of trailing him, and he, you know, just wasn't sure if it would work. So he just trusted in his instincts and hit the shot. There you go. There you go. The other uh, thing too that Bazili said was, yeah, like, yes, of course that shot was big. Of course the free throw was big. But Tech was going into a little bit of a lull. They were trailing by five uh, with about five minutes left, and MJ and Collins, Collins hits a huge corner three. Yeah. That was probably the biggest shot of the night out of Collins. I, I would. I would agree. Um, he he was huge on a couple different occasions, played 22 minutes, um, had five rebounds, I believe, and six points. I mean, he, something like that. He 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 was helping all over the place. He got the final rebound that gave him led him to the free throw line, he hit a free throw to extend it to a three point game. Um, I I think he he was crucial for Virginia Tech. Um, and, and that's the kind of guard play the Hokies have been looking for. What were your thoughts about Maddox only playing uh, six minutes? I'm not surprised. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those situations where it's feed the hot hand, right? Maddox Maddox's defense has not been as good as it usually is. And I think, as Chris Coleman kind of said yesterday, he's kind of like a one-tool player at mm-hmm. times. And if his one tool's not working, if you're a pitcher and your fastball's not working and that's your one fa- one tool you have, you can't really do much else. Uh, Maddox is a good player, but I think he needs to develop his game more offensively to where he can do more stuff than just catch and shoot. Um, and I think he's had spurts. I mean, we saw him against UVA at 13 points, which is a, a, a team high for Tech. Um, but he needs to, what MJ Collins is doing right now versus what Darius Maddox is doing right now, MJ Collins is taking shots when the opportunity comes and he's made it so defenses have to guard him, but he's not necessarily a liability offensively. Mm -hmm. Maddox, he's not shooting as well and doesn't have as much confidence so teams don't I mean teams are going to guard him still. But when he's not shooting the ball well, his defense is not as good. Collins is playing really good defense. Collins, you know, you know, Hunter Hunter Couture said it best after the game. That's just kind of who Collins is, right? He's a kid who knows that there are multiple scores on this team. 
He does not necessarily have to be one of them. Mm-hmm. He can help. Obviously, he has. But if he, but but playing defense is a priority, and he has shown that he can get on the floor because of defense. And I think a lot of times, you know, Collins is playing already. You know, Collins a month or two ago was playing in in certain situations due to his defense. And I just think, you know, in. in I think he had a tough matchup with Mark Mitchell and was doing a really good job on him. And Maddox didn't necessarily, you know, might not necessarily have been able to handle the same assignment well. Maddox is going to play. He's going to get minutes against Syracuse on Saturday. He's going to get minutes down down the stretch for the rest of the season. 11 regular season games left. He's going to play. But how Mike Young manages that, I think it's going to be a lot of feeding the hot hand offensively. But I think more so it's going to be who gives you a better outfit defensively. Mm-hmm. Who can who can guard better? And in the past couple of games, it's been Collins. Quickly, uh, just so, so that Mr. Hill and I are not late for Bill Roth's class because Bill sat right there and talked about it uh, the other day right here on TSL today. Uh, looking ahead at the schedule. Yesterday, a number was thrown around by, I want to say it was Will. Chris agreed with it. It was it, Tech's got to go eight and three. You say seven and four or around that number. I Why? Think, I, I think it depends on, it, it obviously depends on the wins and it depends on what other teams do. As of today, Wednesday, January 25th, Virginia Tech is one and four in quadrant one games. Duke and Carolina are both quadrant two games as of now mm-hmm. because Carolina's 31 and Duke's 32. They move into the top thirty. That's quadrant one games. So, so you're more. I mean, you're marginally. Uh, you so know, Carolina's win last night was huge. Over moved them up one. Yeah. Yes, but but so if you're a Virginia Tech and Duke fan, or sorry, if you're a, that's possible probably. <laughs> if, if you're a Virginia Tech fan, you want North Carolina and Duke to do well. You want North Carolina and Duke to do well because. They can beat quality wins at the end of the day. You want Penn State and Oklahoma State to do well, so they are quality wins. I I think one and four is possible. I think uh, seven and four down the rest of the, the the stretch is possible. You have to beat Virginia at home. That's a quadrant. Okay. That's the only quadrant one game still at home. You beat Virginia. That's two quadrant one wins as of now with Duke and Carolina. Maybe four. However, that plays out. Penn State is about 58 right now. Needs to be top 50. Um, no guarantees that'll be quadrant one, but that's also a possibility. Okay. Um, and I think the difference between this year and last year is there were a lot of teams Tech played that that weren't back and forth and, and didn't have as good of resumes. Um, so it was kind of like they're quadrant one or quadrant quadrant two when you play them, and they stayed quadrant two and never had the opportunity to get up to quadrant one. You got the other two quadrant one games Tech has is Duke and Miami on the road. Mm. It would be great if Tech could win one of those two games. Miami's probably the likelier one simply because Tech's only won a Duke once. Okay. But let's transition to quadrant three and four. There are six quadrant three and four games left. Boston College at home, Florida State at home, Syracuse at home, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Louisville away. You got to win all six of you those. You cannot lose those games. You've got to win all six of those. So that's seven wins right there. Mm-hmm. Pitt and Pitt and Miami at home are the other two quadrant two games. And I'm going to have a story on this later today, breaking all of this down. Those are games that you sh- you would like to win, but they won't hurt your resume if you lose them. Because Pitt and Miami are both good teams. So what you're what you're thinking is if you beat Virginia and win the six games, you should win. 
and then you pick off one win from Duke or Miami on the road, Pitt or Miami at home, that's eight wins. Seven wins plus one you pick off, that's not a bad resume. It's either 19 wins or 20 total wins, nine ACC wins or 10 total ACC wins, and and Tech has the analytics to back it up. If, if it's the right wins, it'll work. The worst thing you do not want is to go on the road to a Notre Dame and lose. And drop a dud. Go to Georgia Tech and lose. If you go to Louisville and lose, your season's over. And, and that's just that's just the way it is. But there are opportunities, and I think that's the good thing. Well, it sounds like David's saying you got to win the games you're supposed to win, and maybe knock off some of the ones that you're not supposed to win. Yeah, beat Virginia. I think, and, and I think the big, the biggest home game left is Virginia. Yeah, right. I, I think Saturday noon tip. It's yes. going to be crazy. Uh, that that is the biggest home game Tech has left, obviously. And then, you know, try to snag one again. This is a Virginia Tech team that, when it is on, is capable of beating almost anybody in the country. We saw them. Go toe-to-toe, you guys were both there, go toe-to-toe with Virginia mm-hmm. in John Paul Jones Arena right a week or two ago. Yeah. If Virginia Tech plays like that, if Virginia Tech plays like it's supposed to, Virginia Tech can beat any team left on its schedule, beat UVA and win the, the six quadrant three and four games, and then handle the other four as you please. But I, I think if you t- win those seven games, those are the seven games you need to win, and then everything else will kind of fall in the line, and you'll still have opportunities to potentially get big wins in the NCAA tournament. You, you got to think about this. A quadrant one win on a neutral floor is top 50. Mm-hmm. There are a handful of ACC teams in the top 50 right now. Tech's in the top 50. Tech's at 49. Um, Clemson is right around there. Duke and Carolina are both top 50. Virginia's top 50. You don't know who you're going to end up playing in the ACC tournament. You could get another quadrant one win. And, again, Duke and Carolina could... F- could you know fluctuate up? Penn State could fluctuate up. Oklahoma State could fluctuate out. It's all day by day. But a lot there, of basketball. But left. there's a little yes. There but there's a little bit of an outline, right? And, and take care of take care of the business as you should, and 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 beat UVA, which that's going to be a wonderful crowd on a Saturday. Mm. I think you're in a good position. It's tech script to write. Last year at this time, we've said it before, we'll say it again. This team was two and seven in conference play. Right now, two and seven in conference play. Everybody knows what happened after that a year ago. Can they do it again? We'll be there to cover them the whole way. Thanks so much for being with us. It was TSL today on a Wednesday. We'll see you on Friday.